0: Hello! Welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intercasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and shop as you normally would. Today, we've got some huge news. We're talking about the release dates for the fifth edition of D&D, and all of the products that are coming out at launch with me today at the roundtable are vegas lancaster hey alex basso what's up rudy basso greetings and andrew kane hey 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 all right panel today's get to know you question is what will your first character be when the fifth edition rules drop
1: alex basso let's start with you all right, I'm going to uh, a little bit of a cop out with this answer and say, I don't know yet. <laughs> but no, okay, I, I don't have the exact class down, but I know I'm going to make a spellcaster. Uh, so far, I've recently found through all of our characters in the playtest, the amount of fun I have with my character is equal to the amount of spells I can cast. So uh, right now, it's, I'm really heavily, heavily leaning towards Wizard. Um, I'm waiting to see if the Warlock looks pretty good. And the Druid's also in the running. So probably one of those three classes. Nice. Spellcasters do sound pretty
0: awesome. And I'm excited to see what you whip up. Because when you get into combo land with spells, the possibilities are limitless. And Alex Basso loves combo land. So I live there. (laughs) King. King even. King. (laughs) And speaking of kings among men, Rudy Basso, what will your first character be in 5th edition?
1: Well, I guess our party's definitely having two spellcasters, because that's what I am also leaning towards, specifically the bard, which is a spellcaster, and that's really weird, so I want to take a good look at that, and uh, maybe give that a go. I've been playing mainly melee-based characters, so it'll be nice to shoot things with fire or um, musical notes from a distance.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think the bard is going to have too many fiery spells, but perhaps the
1: shooting of musical notes uh, will be pretty great. Or just pep talks, right? Yes. I'll I'll be be, maybe I'll try that. No music bard, just a talkie bard.
0: Oh, like a famous orator or something. I like that a lot. Like that too. Andrew Kane.
2: It's a tough. It's a tough call. You know, I'm a, I'm very partial to spellcasters, uh, as has already been said. Although I think I might go back to my roots. Um, the first character I ever played in D anD D was a barbarian. I don't know that I would be a barbarian, but I think I would want to be more of a, a melee-based character, maybe a, a fighter of some sort. Although I don't know that I'd want to give up spells completely. So I might explore the opportunity to be a more, you know, attack fighter-based character. With some spellcasting ability. Maybe some kind of sword mage, something like that.
0: Ah, excellent. And they have been whispering that perhaps something like that will be available when the player's handbook comes out. So we'll have They to have
2: indeed.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely keep our ears to the ground. I'm hoping we see lots of options in the subclasses. Vegas Lancaster, what character will you be playing when 5e becomes available?
3: Uh, I, I want to play an archaeologist who studies aberrant creatures and their world and what better place to play that than in exploration age designed by James Intricasso, uh, which you can follow at
0: worldbuilderblog.me. Ooh, thanks for that plug buddy. Uh, I'm very interested to see what that character turns out to be in exploration age details available at worldbuilderblog.me. (laughs) Ugh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so guys let's get right into it first thing i need to do is correct myself because we've been talking about this as 5e for the beginning of the podcast but really they're taking out the edition word at launch for this new product and they're just calling it dungeons and dragons they're not giving it an edition uh, attached to it officially in the title of the product, I believe people will still refer to it as the fifth edition because there were four before it and that's how you number things in the world. So I think that that's really interesting that they're really sticking with this. This is going to be the edition that brings all editions together. Uh, but let's talk about what is dropping first. So the first thing that's going to come out, it looks like on July 15th, we're going to have the Dungeons and Dragons Starter Set, which is going to be available in your local game store. You can already pre-order it on all your various internet sites. If you're going to shop on Amazon.com, go to the Tome Show and use the affiliate links. Uh, it retails for about 20 bucks here in America. It's got uh, 96 pages and it takes you through it looks like it's going to be a, a nice little adventure and gives you some startup rules to play in addition there was an announcement that the basic D&D rules are going to launch the same day and those will be a free PDF download and that's about 15% of the monsters manual 15% of the DMG and 15% of the players handbook it's going to include your basic races human elf dwarf Halfling and it's going to include your cleric fighter rogue and wizard classes and one subclass for each all the levels 1 through 20 That's pretty awesome that you're going to be able to get all of those things for free You can play within the adventure in the starter set or go out from there. So all of this stuff is a lot of Exciting news. We know we're gonna see more stuff coming later on, but initially we get free D&D and d we get an adventure at launch that comes with some more quick start rules. Sounds pretty awesome, Alex Basso. How you feeling? Feeling great.
1: Finally have a date. Good rhyme. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's exciting. Uh, it is a little surprising seeing all the books, you know, being released, uh, you know, separately, months apart. I mean, uh, my biggest excitement is—we're uh, probably going to talk more about this later—is the entire uh, free PDF, the free basic PDF. Um, but I, I guess one disappointment is the fact that since they're being released far apart and uh, the starter set, you know, we're going to start playing in July, but it's really unlikely to have the classes I want to play. Uh, so that's a little disappointing and that I won't fully have my, uh, my class as soon as it comes out.
0: Sure. Yeah. You're going to have to wait about a month for the player's handbook release in August for that, for sure. But I do think it is a good way to get ready to start playing the game. And I know for me, my plan is to be able to run things for a little while, about a month with these quick start rules for everybody to get used to it and get you know into it. And then it's like, okay, now the player's handbook has come out. Let's start again. You know, we did this nice month long short campaign. Let's start again and everybody can dig into what they really want now that they've played the game. I think it'll be good for opportunities like that. Rudy Basso, what are your thoughts on this starter set and the free
1: PDFs? I think the free PDF is such a smart idea to get new players because I can think of times when I've been just hanging out with my friends doing nothing, especially in college, and like. If I were to be like, hey, guys, do you want to try d I've got this. There's this free PDF. We can just download it, and we can get going like that. You don't have to worry about breaking out all these books. You don't have to worry about having access to, like, the compendium online. It's such a smart idea, and I'm really surprised it took them this long to come up with some sort of uh, concept like this. So I'm all about that. Uh, the starter set will be a good way to introduce some of the more me- uh, unusual mechanics, I guess. I-, I mean, we've been playing the playtest we're pretty familiar but for those people that haven't i think it'll be a good uh, a one shot kind of material where they can mess around with it and they get more into the to the real nitty gritty when the player's handbook is released
0: yeah and i think it's great it comes with an adventure you know that seems like it's supposed to get characters from level 1 through 5 that's pretty hefty and i do think it's going to be a great jump in looks like it's got a really cool dragon on the front uh, you know, the art for these things really looks nice, too. And so far, it looks like all of the women are wearing practical adventuring clothing, which is pretty great. Yes. I love all the covers. They complement each other really well, which is which is super cool. Right? Yeah, the branding looks cohesive, which I think is a really nice thing about it. They all have similar art styles. Andrew Kane, how are you feeling about the starter set and the
2: PDFs? I'm feeling good. Uh, I am. I, I have to agree with uh, both Alex and Rudy. They made great points. I, I I do think it is a little bit of a bummer in the sense of since these things are in a staged rollout. Uh, if you are depending on what kind of character you want to create, you might have to wait a little longer to really delve into that, which is always a little bit of a bummer, but not the end of the world. And I agree with Rudy uh, particularly about uh, making it free and getting it into. Uh, New players' hands, but I also think the great idea is that it could also get put into old players' hands in the sense of, you know, as we've noted, there have been several editions before, and this edition is supposed to kind of bring in all the best parts and all these, you know, kind of memorable touchstones. And for those who have been away for a while and aren't willing to immediately commit to buying the new books and reading through it all, they have an opportunity to look through it. Um, and see if it's something that they might come back to or want to explore a little more. And I think they were smart, not only in making it free, but also in the characters, uh, the classes and, and races that they have set up, because I think it harkens back to our kind of previous podcast about iconics. I think the things that they've chosen are some of the things that immediately come to mind when people say D and D. Uh, so I think they're on the right track. It's very promising.
0: Yeah, I think with the things that you'll have at your fingertips, right, you could make a Lord of the Rings style Fellowship of the Ring party, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, Ranger class excluded, of course. But I think all of those things are good for people to see because that's sort of when you think iconic D&D, you sort of think Lord of the Rings and this is going to have all of those things that were in the first edition and hopefully draw in the old players as well and say, hey, this This could be for me, too. You know, and maybe it's time to put down those first edition books and try something new. Looking at you, grognards. Vegas Lancaster, what are your thoughts on the starter set and the PDFs?
3: Uh, I guess since so far for this whole podcast, we've sounded like a commercial for the starter set (laughs) and the new books, uh, I'll I'll say some negative stuff. Uh, I, for one... Uh, the starter set has nothing to do with me because we've been playing the playtest this whole time. Uh, I don't need a free starter set. I want to get straight to the books. But uh, you guys are right. Uh, starter set seems like a great idea for new players. I hope it's really well designed uh, to let people who have never played before jump in and have fun because definitely the hardest part about D&D is is getting past that initial learning curve. Uh, And hopefully the starter set will do a good job uh, helping people along with that. And it's a good thing it's free because Jesus Christ, player's (laughs) handbook, 50 bucks in August. (laughs) Then in September, get ready to pay 50 bucks for the Monster Manual. And get ready in November to pay 50 bucks for the Dungeon Master's Guide. Uh, No wonder they have to release a free starter set PDF to hook in new players, because no one's going to pay $150 to start on a game they've never played before.
0: (laughs) Well, and let me ask you this question, Vegas, because we're definitely going to get into the price, and that's when this will stop sounding like a commercial. But when you are looking at the starter set, do you think that that is coming out first, not just to tease everybody and get them excited for the books, but because if it launched the same time as the books, not as many people would buy the $20 starter set, which you can also download free PDFs at the same time?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what their marketing strategy is. I think they're trying to, seems like they're rolling out one big thing a month and I think they're just doing that to keep people's excitement up, to give blogs something to post about every month, to have uh, people to have a reason to walk into a a shop or order something off Amazon each month.
0: Uh, I think that's why it's spread out like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into the core books, then. Let's talk about how they are going to be released quite far apart. So it looks like, right, the Player's Handbook is coming out on August 19th. Then on September 17th, we get the Monsters Manual. And then two months later, November 18th, we finally get the Dungeon Master's Guide. You know, they're obviously they're releasing them far. And Mike Murls has actually said that it's because... They know they have a small team. They want to make sure that when they're putting things out, they're not then immediately releasing pages and pages of errata because – they didn't edit; spend enough time editing all of the text and everything. You know, that's a good call. And I do think they're being put out in the right order. I'm glad that we're getting the player's handbook first because that's what you really need to play. And, you know, we'll have 15% of the monsters manual and then we'll get more as it goes on. And presumably we can fill out with adventures and playtest packets and stuff like that. And then the DMG sort of comes later, which experienced DMs, you know, won't really need. But I do think it is going to, you know, deter new DMs perhaps from starting up for a little bit. And I do think that that could hurt them there. But more to the point, as Vegas said, I am looking around and I'm seeing these $50 price tags on each of these core rule books, which is more expensive than they've ever been. It's $150 if you want to get this sort of more advanced edition of the game. But I'm also looking on Amazon. Uh, and as of right now, if you were to pre-order, the starter set is $12.65, the player's handbook is twenty-nine ninety-seven, dollars the DMG is $43.98, and the monster's manual is thirty-five oh-one. dollars So you can get those reduced prices on Amazon, which to me is actually not a great thing because it means lots of people are going to be pre-ordering your local friendly game stores who are going to probably be charging full price are going to have a big problem on their hands because people are going to be turned into the internet. Vegas, what are your thoughts?
3: Uh, exactly what you just said. If people are buying the books off of Amazon instead of buying them from their local game shops, uh, you're missing an opportunity to uh, develop Communities of players in your local game shops, which is, uh, I think, a really big deal for nerd games. Uh, You know, the local game shops that promote and push magic, uh, the gathering cards and uh, have tournaments and, and games in their shop. Uh, They do that because uh, Magic Cards is a big source of revenue for them, and that's what keeps the community going and uh, uh, brings new players into it. And you would hope, or I would hope, that local game and comic shops are bringing new players into D&D, and if they are penalized by not being Amazon or not being online uh, providers – uh they might not be incentivized to do that
0: yeah
1: yeah you are absolutely right alex basso what are your thoughts i mean yeah i mean i agree pretty much everything's said but i mean hasn't this really just been the case for a while now like even with uh fourth edition i mean pretty much anything you could get on amazon so i mean it is disappointing to uh you know, to see this, this continue, but I, I don't see how it would stop, you know? They, they'd they have to really, even, you know, if it was $30, then Amazon would be selling it for 10 or something. It's just, uh, it's a reality that unfortunately they're going to have to keep continue to deal with, and uh, hopefully the game stores can, you know, s- stick with it, not close down.
0: Yeah, that is a good point. That is always the case with Amazon, which is why you're not just seeing game stores close down, but b- bookstores everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. beginning to close, you know. Um and it is the everything store, so I do think Wizards is wise to be selling there cuz they probably just wouldn't be able to sell as many books. Um but it is it is disheartening. I I do encourage people to if you can, find your games local
1: game store and buy from there if you are able. Uh Rudy Basso, what are your thoughts? I think it works that way with everything that local game stores sell, you know, if you want to buy something from your local game store. Um, you're going to have to go in saying, well, I'm going to pay for more or I'm going to pay more for this because I can go online anywhere and buy board game miniatures for a war game, anything like this at a cheaper price. I don't know that this is something out of the norm than them being undercut by online pricing. I think it's just the nature of the business these days.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is absolutely true. How do you feel about paying fifty dollars in
1: general for a D and D book? Oh, I think it's outrageous. Um, <laughs> the forums that I frequent, uh, the gaming forums, were all like in a, an uproar. One hundred fifty dollars, and you know, as a player, you don't have to buy the Dungeon Master ga- uh, Guide. You don't necessarily even have to buy the Monster Manual. But people were still just like rocked by the pricing for this. You know, that's that's um, a big chunk of the way towards uh, a new Xbox or a PS4 or what have you. Um, <laughs> you can buy a lot with $150. I think it's a giant misstep, too, to com- remain completely silent regarding PDFs. And I understand maybe they want to sell out their books first. But say something. Say, you know, later on we're going to be releasing these at a reduced price, too, or, or something. Uh, you know, Wizards has always been terrible with PDFs, and that's one of the things that Pathfinder has has excelled at and I was really hoping that 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 they would take that step forward and and embrace the PDF. I don't know that that's necessarily the case outside of this this free PDF.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure either. I mean they've clearly during D&D Next they've experimented like during all the playtesting with um with releasing PDFs through DNDclassics.com and that sort of thing. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Mike Merle said they just aren't, they've come to decisions about digital tools and PDFs and things. They just haven't announced what that is yet. So hopefully, fingers crossed that we're going to hear something soon, but it was disappointing to not hear about it yet. Andrew Kane, what are you thinking about all this?
2: Well, I think uh, some of the issues that have been raised about price could also be raised when you look at PDFs, um, both whether they're for sale or, um, for free when it relates to the local friendly gaming shops, uh, in the sense of, if you can get it, if you can download it for free off the internet, uh, you might not, you not, might not be the one who's going to be going into the local store either. Uh, and so I think it's something that needs to be looked at because obviously in, in, in this technological world, um, I agree with Rudy that the, the PDFs are something that they need to look at, but I think it, it's a bigger issue that they need to evaluate, even if it's something like, uh, as was noted, uh, putting out the books for a while and then making the PDFs uh, free later. But especially if it's about bringing more people into the gaming community, if they don't have anyone to play with, um, that local gaming store might be the place where they can find people, and if they're never going in there, they might say, oh, this seems interesting, but never get to the point where they're really into it. So it's tough uh it's it's tough cuz the price can be a limiting factor um it can create problems but also i can see issues on the the reduced pdf price or free uh on the other side as well so it's definitely something that needs to be explored more they're being
0: smart i think with this free pdf that it's going to tempt people and hopefully get a lot of new players interested but then when they think ooh i got to pay another 150 bucks to keep playing this game or I can just continue using this
1: free PDF. It'll be interesting to see how those sort of things go. Uh, I mean, even if they bring in, you know, 500 thousand people or whatever, I'm just giving it, throwing out a number for the PDF and only 10-15% continue with D&D. That's still, you know, a win for them. uh, Even if, you know, the rest of those never move off the PDF. As long as they're bringing in new people. I do
0: hope that if I pay $50 for a d and book and that the release dates are spaced out the way that they are, that there won't be as much errata and as many mm-hmm. typos as there were. And this edition will last longer than five years. And, you know, that sort of thing is, <laughs> is the hope. Um, that if you are going to pay $150 for a game, which really, if you do play it once a week for five years, when you think about it, is not a ton of money. You still want it to be a quality product that is going to last a long time
1: and uh one other thing is you know they really they're you know they're pushing out a lot that you know the players' handbooks all you're gonna need to play you're not gonna get you know a hundred percent of the manual or the you know the dungeon master guide but they're really pushing that you know it's kind of like tiers of how advanced you want to get with d and d if you want to just you know play around a little bit, do the freed PDF. If you want to go a little more advanced, just get the player's handbook. And it kind of, you know, you don't have to spend 150 if you're not a really super serious player. It doesn't seem like that's required. So I kind of like that approach and that you can kind of choose, you know, how serious are you going to take this activity and then spend the money from there. All right, guys. Well,
0: speaking of D&D and cool products that are coming out, Believe it or not, things are spaced out in such a way that if you count the starter set, we will have three full adventures dropping before the DMG comes out. The two of those adventures are directly related to the Tyranny of Dragons events that are going to be happening that are incorporated, it seems like, into the MMOs and maybe into some of the mobile games and into the novels and a few other places. Uh, Tyranny of Dragons takes place in Forgotten Realms, which has been confirmed as the sort of default setting that we're going to see at release with the core products. Uh, And it's about a cult of the dragon, uh, which is this weird cult that uh, makes Draco liches uh, thinking, hey, maybe we were wrong. And what we need to do is bring back Tiamat. So it sounds like this is going to be another sort of event that helps shape some things in the realms. There's going to be events related at D&D encounters, events related at cons, that sort of thing. It's not a huge realm-shaking event in the way that the Sundering or the Spell Plague is, but it is going to be something that everybody can get involved in. Looking at this, I'm pretty pumped about it because I think it means that we one is going to release with the player's handbook, the Horde of the Dragon Queen Adventure. The other one is going to release between the Monster Manual, and the Dungeon Master's Guide. I think a lot of people are going to pick up that first adventure, Horde of the Dragon Queen, because they're going to want more monsters and traps and things that they're not going to have because they don't have the Monster Manual and and DMG. And they're going to be able to pull from that adventure if they're not going to run it as is. Other people may want to run it as is because they don't have the mechanisms they want to to build crazy encounters and stuff and they can just use everything within there i'm pretty pumped about this along with this they're also going to be releasing some whiz kids minis that uh look really interesting uh, looks like there's going to be definitely dragons related and They're all sort of creatures that are in these adventures. And then there are also going to be a lot of hero minifigs that you can buy. Some are random booster packs. Others are, you know exactly what you're getting. Clear plastic. You can see the miniatures inside. And hey, there's a new Drizzt fig. So looking at all this cool (laughs) stuff that's coming out for Tyranny of Dragons,
1: how do you feel, Alex Basso? Uh, Feel good. Drist, Drist figurine, yeah. That, that, that's my number one. No, but uh, no, it's definitely, you know, I love dragons. I love any story that focuses on dragons. Um, and I love that it's not going to be a super major uh, spell plague equivalent uh, storyline. So, I mean, it, it's going to be hopefully a, a pretty good story to start with. I don't think we'll be playing much in it, but. Um, <laughs> You know, we'll probably do the first adventure, and uh, yeah, it's dragons. But, uh, you know, one thing I do see, it's a little spoilers here. uh, Looks like Tiamat's probably going to rise. You're not going to prevent it in the first story. You're going to have to stop him later. So uh, that's disappointing. Yeah, no, the art
0: does look like it has a uh, a big picture of Tiamat yeah. in the Rise of Tiamat PDF <laughs> <laughs> uh, image here. So uh, that, is, that is a pretty good indicator. That is also, by the way, a really cool picture of Tiamat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Vegas Lancaster, thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I was clicking around on the Wizards website and my first thought looking at the Player's Handbook, Monster Manual, and Dungeon Master's Guide was, what? No dragons on the cover of the Dungeons and Dragons books? And then I looked down and said, oh, there's a lot of dragons on these other books. <laughs> uh, it's all dragon themed. I love it. Um, uh, you know, are they going to be good? Probably. Hopefully Horde of the Dragon Queen, uh, the first adventure they're releasing is going to be a real fun story and uh, everyone in the world will play it and will be one of those things that we look back on and have a shared communal memory of.
0: Yeah, I do think that'll be like the keep on the Shadowfell, you know, that a lot of people played in 4E when it came out because that was one of the first products released and people were hungry for something. So yeah, I'm excited to see, I'll be honest. It's, it's strange because a lot of the D and D next playtest encounters adventures that have come out, they've been trying a lot of new stuff with and it, has not always succeeded in fact some of the adventures i would say are pretty terrible but i am wondering what they've learned and what they're going to implement and i'm hoping that it's not pretty terrible but it's pretty (laughs) great and that they've
1: learned a lot uh rudy basso thoughts uh i'm not a big fan of cults i think they're kind of lame Uh, It's annoying. They never want to surrender. They always want to die for their god or whatever.
0: uh,
3: That's true. I
1: don't want to kill, man. You're forcing me. But um, overall, I I am excited for all the crossover. That's what's really appealing to me. I'm a big fan of Neverwinter MMO. I think it's a really great game. And I love that they're doing something with the Tyranny of Dragons event in that universe as well. I mean, it's set in Forgotten Realms, it's called Neverwinter. But I think it's really, really cool that there's overlap there. And I'd love to see some sort of, like, um, I don't know, special code from the DMG where you get a special item in-game. I just think that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, that's a great idea. And they have said they're looking to make D&D more of a multi-platform experience so i think you're going to see this crossover with all of the big events and encounters and things that they're going to do but then i also think that we're going to see some sort of more digital incorporation and maybe that does mean things like hey if you buy the dmg here's a code for a unique item that only people who bought the dmg get in the neverwinter mmo um, only so. for
1: super fans
0: only for super fans willing to drop fifty dollars on a book
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally worth it for my flying dragon mount
0: <laughs> exactly exactly well and i have to say my plan really is to buy this horde of the dragon queen adventure at launch and and as a dm be scavenging it for things to put in our exploration age game available at worldbuilderblog.me. Um Andrew Kane, what are your thoughts about the tyranny of dragons?
2: First of all, I don't even know what this exploration age stuff is, everyone keeps <laughs> talking about. But uh seems cool. So I think I'll check it out over at worldbuilderblog.me. But anyway, back to what tyranny is this a commercial for again? <laughs> I think that uh, Wizards is being pretty um, intelligent about how they're approaching all of this, and I think it's interesting because we're seeing a lot of different things happen here. So as they're building this edition, they're talking about you know bringing in all these different elements, you know the addition to for all editions, all that stuff. But I think they're also responding to the world that's out there now, and so what we just touched on being a multi-platform type. Uh, situation so that those who are interested in the different aspects of this kind of bigger world have the opportunity to engage it in different ways. I think that's really intelligent. I think it's a good way of uh, pulling people in who might really like the Neverwinter MMO and want to get involved. They might say, hey, this is really interesting and then branch out in a different direction if they haven't already done that, et cetera. And so um, I think they're They're being as smart. I also think it's uh, an interesting story. I think it's one that can engage people and putting it out in the way they're doing it since they are spreading out um, the three core rule books is a smart way of, you know, as you've already said, James, you're going to be mining that material um, so that you can hit the ground running and other things you want to do. And I think they're probably thinking about those things. Experienced DMs and players will be able to use that stuff, but pivot to other places so that... They don't have to just sit around waiting, doing this one thing while they wait for the other core rule books. But they could do that if they wanted to. So I think it's a really intelligent play on their part. Uh, And I'm interested to see how it all pans out. All
0: right. Well, guys, I think it's about time to wrap it up. But before we go, Vegas Lancaster, where can people find you?
3: Oh, if you're in the Philadelphia area and you're a big old nerd, I'm going to be doing stand-up comedy at Wizard World Philadelphia's Comic Con uh, uh, June, I think, 20th. Uh, I think it's the Friday of the convention. With plus two comedy.
0: Nice, nice. And are you on the Twitters? Uh, At Vegas Lancaster on Twitter.
1: Nice, nice. And Rudy Basso, where can people find you? Please follow me at Rudy Basso, R U D Y B A S S O. Thank you kindly. And if you prefer lime
0: skittles, please tweet at Rudy and let him know <laughs> you prefer lime skittles to that old crap green apple. Nope. Green apple <laughs> is the best. <laughs> Alex has my best. Oh, green apple all day. Boo. Andrew Kane, <laughs> where can people find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter when I do occasionally tweet at Cavalier Kane. That's K A V A L I E R K A N E. Love to hear your thoughts on whatever. But uh, prepare for blast off.
0: Excellent. And guys, if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to discuss on the roundtable, you can reach out to me on Twitter at James Intercaso. That's at J A M E S. I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment on The Tome Show's website at thetomeshow.com. Or you can reach out to any of these three gentlemen in the way that they have expressed. Alex Basso cannot be found on the internet. And uh, (laughs) one final shameless plug. Check out the blog that is all about the new world I'm building called Exploration Age. It's for 5th edition. It's at worldbuilderblog.me. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks to Alex, Andrew, Vegas, and Rudy. Also, many thanks to Jeff Griner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music which you're listening to right now was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to the tomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or DD Classics to help support the show. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the Round Table.